Today on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, the brawler called in a favor, and we've got Ring of Honor's lead announcer and host of a brand new podcast with our pal Carrie Silkin, Ian Riccoboni is here. The voice of Ring of Honor joins the WPAN, how about that? Going into my world, Mike, and I'm getting one of my friends to come on. Not too bad, and I think Bobby Cruz might have a problem with you talking about the voice of ROH. We'll talk about that with Ian, I think. Plus, coming up, your promo about nothing and so much more, but first, tell him, George. I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing. Wrestling fans, there are millions and millions of podcasts out there, but there's nothing like this one. Do you ever just get down on your knees and thank God that you know me and have access to my dementia? This is the wrestling podcast about nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Welcome to the wrestling podcast about nothing episode 196, a production of Crackpot Podcasts. My name is Mike Crock. I'm a longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast, currently on an extended hiatus from the ring. And joining me, as always, is a veteran of the New England Independent Mat Wars. He is a contracted Ring of Honor wrestler. He is Mr. Inside Edition. He is one half of the bouncers. He is the brawler, Brian Malonis. Hello. Hello. Why are you whispering, Mike? What do you mean, why am I whispering? I'm talking about my normal. That is not your normal voice. When we are in Brian Fury's. Uh, apartment his neighbors were probably ready to call the cops because they thought uh, some sort of domestic disturbance was going on they're hitting their broom on the ceiling <laughs> probably <laughs> well you know i gotta keep it uh, a little mellow because you know it's it's nighttime and you know if, if you don't want to get yelled at that's not no not at all <laughs> yeah come on we both know you wake that kid up you're in deep shit okay that is true (laughs) but uh yeah speaking of brian fury he will not be here this week i guess he's on some top secret mission uh i don't know much about it Uh, all i saw was him on uh social media wearing a suit yeah wearing suits posting pictures with uh ivar i mean put two and two together i oh hmm It'll take me a little while, but I think I might be able to figure it out. <laughs> Maybe we'll talk about it with uh, Brian Fury next week. That's why he's such a shill for, for a certain super media conglomerate. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll get into it. Maybe we won't next week on the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. Um, Brian, I know you were you and I were talking earlier in the week. I happened to be at the Celtics-Lakers game on Monday. Yeah, thanks for the invite. You're welcome. Actually, I was on the job, my friend. I was I was working the uh, event, if you will. By the way, the garden is like they're really putting some work into it. We, you know, people have heard about the seats and the fact that there's not a lot of leg room, apparently. Yeah, what's the deal? Why do they hate fat people so much? I don't know. There's it's it's the thing. <laughs> Hating fat people's their thing. <laughs> it might be. It might be. <laughs> but uh, hey, are they going to make them, are they going to make them dance and eat ham? Ooh, ooh, let's not. <laughs> Brian Fury, uh, we'll edit that out, okay? Brian Fury, don't uh, we don't want to get you in trouble. But yeah, not only did they make improvements to the arena itself, but backstage is like completely different from when we were back there doing the extra stuff for WWE. Back in our heyday. 
back in the yeah back when the uh, the olden days when they were just treating us like garbage <laughs> i mean mike we are former wwe superstars i mean that's true i mean we haven't talked about this in a while so for the new listeners i mean uh me and mike are are indeed former wwe superstars we we were druids Yes, and we're hitting the circuit. We'll, we'll be there WrestleMania weekend, signing your pictures. <laughs> I'm, I may be the only uh, individual in history that can actually verify that they were a druid. By the way, how can you verify it? Uh, look at me! Come on, oh. I, have like, I have a very distinct <laughs> body type, and like you know, it's it's very. If, you know what? what which what year was that, Mike? Was that 2008 or something? Oh, it's on the website. If you go to the uh, About Us page on the WPAN.com, that is the WPAN.com at the bottom there. I think there's the years on there when we were doing it. There's a photo of us at the bottom. I mean, it's from the Boston Garden. It's it's uh, The Undertaker versus Big Show in a casket match. I, I, how about the fans? You tell me if it's obvious what druid I am. Uh, you know, tell me left or right, and how and how many deep I am. I want everybody listening to this to go back and then tweet at the WPAN if you can tell which druid uh, that the old kingpin was. The world's largest druid. <laughs> we had the world's largest athlete in the match, and then the world's largest druid in the match as well. Yes, <laughs> and of course, it was the most crooked casket in the history of professional wrestling. <laughs> That's why we didn't get brought back. That's true. That is true. We didn't get uh, the no handshake though. Like we talked. Well, actually, you weren't there a couple weeks ago when we talked about this. And we got a correction on that, by the way. Two weeks ago on the podcast, we were following up about uh, wrestling's biggest busts. It was Fury, myself, and Sunday Goodspeed were talking about some more of the biggest busts, and Heidenreich was brought up, and I went into the story about the WWE extras from the Chaotic Training Center, the you know the original, before it became the New England Pro Wrestling Academy, were participating in a segment with Heidenreich where he decided to go out in the crowd and beat up fans, and the fans, of course, were trained wrestlers from Chaotic Wrestling. And I attributed uh, one Andre Lyons as the man who bumped too early for Heidenreich. I was corrected by the aforementioned Ivar of the Viking Raiders, former WWE Raw Tag Team Champion, by the way, had their first loss last week on Raw. It was not Andre Lyons, he told me. It was indeed... Actually, a past guest of the wrestling podcast about nothing, episode 99, I believe. Chase Del Monte was the one that bumped too early for Heidenreich. And all this time, all these years, I thought it was Andre. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know how you could confuse those two. They're very, very different. Yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying to figure out where the story came from that I got it that it was Andre. I think the story probably came from Chase. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, back to my uh, adventure at the Garden that I kind of got way away from this past uh, Monday, or last Monday, I should say. So I was there on the court as, you know, I tend to do. I, I go down there on the court with the uh, the elite. Wait, what? The elite? Yeah. Well, no, no, no. not about the elite. Not that elite. The, the Hollywood, the sports elite. Oh, okay. And as I'm standing there, minding my own beeswax, who should walk onto the court right behind me? But the one and only Snoop Dogg. Really? Okay. Right within arm's length did, of me. Did you say hi? I said, 
Hey, Snoop. Snoop-a-loop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. We chit-chat a little bit. Actually, um... Did you really, did you really chit-chat? Well, yeah, of course. Did you smoke some marijuana cigarettes with him? <laughs> he's very, he's very famous for, for his love of marijuana. Yeah, even before it became socially acceptable to do so. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we chit chat a little bit. Actually, got a selfie with the man. You did just to prove my point that we were there on the court together at the same time, just hobnobbing, chit chatting, doing our thing. David Ortiz was a few seats down, but you know I didn't get a chance to talk with him. I was too enthralled in the conversation with uh, with Snoop. So uh, yeah, I mean I'll put it up actually on at the WPAN on Twitter. Wow, well, I'm proud of you, Mike. You, you didn't, yeah. you didn't kind of sleek into the background. I don't know if I'm using. I'm probably making up a word there. Slink, I think I'm looking for. Slink yeah. into the background like you, like you normally do. Afraid of, of most things. <laughs> what, what does that mean? You're a very timid fella. No, man, I was there. I was comfortable. I was, you know, in my element. Did you see Mark Sherman there? No, no, I did not. No, I, I was just with the, the people that were top dogs. Well, I mean, that's what he used to do. He used to sneak in the garden and hang, and hang out with all the celebrities. I didn't sneak in. I was a credentialed uh, member of the media. Okay, so you're you're hobnobbing it with Snoop Dogg and, and Big Poppy. Did you get any digits? No, I, I figured I wouldn't bother the guy. I mean, I, I we, you know, we DM on occasion, but, you know, I don't want to... I'm not that kind of guy, so... Yeah, check out on at the WPAN on Twitter. Um, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll put it everywhere. We'll see how that goes. Maybe on Instagram as well, at the WPAN. The selfie with myself and Snoop Dogg. So I got to wait till you put it up to see it. Yes, yes. Okay. I'll put it up on Monday when this when this podcast comes out. And, uh, you know, we're just chit-chatting about, you know, Mercedes. <laughs> I know her real name because I, I know her, so. <laughs> Do you know? Calvin and I were talking about Mercedes. <laughs> oh, Calvin. <laughs> oh, Calvin. Um, <laughs> all right. So also, Brian, one more thing. I want to apologize for any audio issues we had last week on the podcast. I uh, got a tweet from Brandon Banks. He's at Brandon underscore J underscore Banks on Twitter. And he asked... Why did it sound like someone was hitting a bong all episode? Speaking of, it's a very marijuana-centric episode we have so did far. He, did, he, did he mean a gong? No, I, I, I mean, it's, apparently it's a bong. You know what a bong is, right, Brian? Well, I, I do, but is that what he meant? I think so. I, I think maybe it sounded like the, there was like clicking and clacking. And it sounded like maybe someone, uh, you know, hitting a bong. Well, I, 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 having never hit one, I, I am very unfamiliar <laughs> with what it sounds like. That's not me trying to be coy of like my past drug use. Uh, I've literally smoked marijuana one time in my life. I was 19 years old, <laughs> and I and it was uh, like the kid who had who had it didn't even have enough to make like half of a marijuana cigarette. Is that what we're calling them, right? <laughs> yeah, that's what the cool kids are calling them. <laughs> Brian, uh, I have been in the presence of people hitting a bong, but I've never hit a bong myself because um, you know I went to college, so. That everybody, kind of stuff happened there. Everybody, everybody, everybody loves the secondhand smell of uh, marijuana. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, I, don't, I don't. Speaking of which, I don't miss my old neighbors. <laughs> no, <laughs> you're on the big side of town now. 
Yeah, I don't want to mess with no reefer addicts. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, hitting a bong. I think that's, I mean, I don't know. You probably didn't listen to the episode. You don't really tend to listen to the episodes, but I was very frustrated editing it. All of the clicking and clacking coming from a certain person's microphone uh, who shall remain kingpinless. How can you even tell, though? We are all plugged into the same damn thing. No, it was you and me were on one channel and Fury was on another channel. Oh, okay. So, could have been you. No, because I know how to hold a microphone, Brian. Oh, Um, fuck. So, the the problem was the the cables, the connections are getting loose, they're getting old, so I have to get new cables. So, I will do that. Yes, I will take the hit and make that purchase, get some new cables that will tightly click in there, the microphone. So oh, that's nice of you. Or, or you could just choke up on the microphone like I told you to a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, I bet you'd like me to choke up on it, wouldn't you? <laughs> oh, Jesus H. Christ. All right. <laughs> we better move on quickly. Uh, we got coming up, uh, well, maybe we should get, I don't know. <laughs> it seems like an odd transition to go from that to our guest, Brian. Uh- <laughs> Perhaps, perhaps, seemingly, seemingly. (laughs) (laughs) But let's do that right now, actually. Let's do that. We are being joined by the lead announcer for Ring of Honor Wrestling. And Brian, we talked about this earlier. Is he, he's the the voice of ROH, right? It's definitely not Bobby Cruz. It's definitely this man, right? I mean, to me, yeah, the lead announcer, the play-by-play guy, the guy you hear on TV. And this is not like a slight at Bobby. I mean, Lord knows we all like to take our shots at Bobby. But to me, the the play-by-play guy is is the voice of Ring of Honor. So to me, the voice of Ring of Honor, Ian Riccoboni. Yes, indeed. Hi, Ian. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. And I, you know, I, I defer to Bobby. Bobby's been around for so long. and He's been such a part of the fabric at Ring of Honor that, you know, when we do the main event introductions, I, you know, I. I defer to him as the voice of Ring of Honor because he's been consistent, you know, the last 15 or 16 years, I believe he's been with Ring of Honor. So just to be able to to work with someone like that and on the team, we joke about Bobby, but uh, he's an amazing dad. He, he's got two great kids who uh, I've seen him bend heaven and earth to support and the best ring announcer in wrestling. And so now that I've gotten done putting him over, let me list his seven disgusting habits and we will <laughs> only seven. <laughs> You're right. There's at least 17. Maybe, but no, Bobby's great. And, uh, but I appreciate the compliment there. Yeah. You're only, uh, letting him be the voice of ring of wonder because he's badgered and pestered. You don't want him to badger and pester you. If you <laughs> do call yourself the voice of ring of honor. Uh, I, we have fun with Bobby, and, and I talked to Todd Sinclair about this a lot. You know, as Ring of Honor grows, we did Madison Square Garden, obviously, and uh, we've been to Japan and, and the UK and all over the United States. We went to the Seattle area last year in Portland for the first time. There's been a lot of cool opportunities. Some of those included me getting a trading card in the uh, the Filsinger set, and then HighSpots.com put out a trading card. Uh, I have something super special coming out that – Todd and I know he's going to drive Bobby nuts <laughs> and he's going to bug and pester to get, get one of those too. I, I shared it with Malonis, but we've got to keep it kayfabe for a little bit. Uh, you'll be able to get it in June from a very popular wrestling t-shirt site. We'll leave it at that. But uh, it's so it's, it's fun to drive Bobby nuts. That's probably my favorite part about ring of honor. <laughs> Besides the great wrestling is just getting under Bobby Cruz's skin. Well, how about when we were trying to film a little, uh, we were, where were we, North Carolina, and we were trying to film that little video, uh, and then he comes over and just starts harassing us, and then, and then, and then, and then looking for us to hook his phone up to the Wi-Fi. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> yeah, we were trying to make a two-second video to, to promote the Highspox trading card. And then uh, he went into a five to ten minute rant about how he should have a card also. <laughs> <laughs> Any, anything i can do my success is driven by two things i want and need to support my family and just to inch a little bit further under bobby <laughs> so no but i love bobby uh, he's he's responsible for the first first opportunity that i had really not a lot of people know that in uh, dayton ohio 2015 there was a storyline where steve carino got suspended he hadn't yet come back or uh, mr wrestling three excuse me hadn't yet appeared they needed someone and i had driven out i had driven to kalamazoo and then down to dayton from uh eastern pennsylvania you were looking around kevin kelly said well well who can who can i call the first half and the second half with and bobby cruz goes well you've been grooming this guy why don't you give him a shot <laughs> so you know, that's really how I got my first kind of main roster shot in, in Ring of Honor. So I, I got a lot to thank Bobby for. Yeah, so much we give Bobby Cruz shit. He's uh, always been gracious with stuff like that. I know he's uh, helping to groom, or he was helping to groom another ring announcer, right? Absolutely, yeah. He looks out for Nick Lendl. He looks out for a lot of the younger talent. And he's, uh, you know, he's really good with, with details and things like that, you know, with, with wrestlers. If something's off on gear or moves or something like that, or if someone needs a nickname or a move name, he's actually pretty good with stuff like that. You know, so one of the unsung heroes of Ring of Honor. Now yeah, I'm sure uh, is don't interrupt me, Michael. I'm talking. Oh, excuse here. me. <laughs> I think that's the one true mark of a of a really true pro and somebody who absolutely has like supreme amount of you know confidence in themselves and their abilities, and that's the to not feel threatened by somebody else and to actually try to try to help. So I think that's a huge credit to Bobby in that and that he's secure enough in himself and his talents and what he brings to the table that that he's not going to be selfish and he is going to try to to help others. Absolutely, yeah. He's he's a great guy and. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of hurting that I feel like I'm getting a stomachache putting him over this much. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure Bobby Cruz, he is the ring announcer in the Retromania wrestling video game that's coming out, right? Ah, uh, I don't know. About, <laughs> I, I actually don't know. Um, so that project's been super fun. And those those have been great folks. You know, there's a guy, Mike, who reached out to me and he reached out to Colt. I, I said to Colt, hey. Uh, this guy has said he reached out, you know, is this real? They're doing a, a WrestleFest sequel. And Colt said, yeah, he's like, ask him, you know, if you don't believe me, ask him for the videos, ask him for the screenshots. And Colt was like, yeah, I talked to road warrior animal animals really in, he's really in on this project. Tommy dreamers really in. So once I heard that, and once Colt gave the seal of approval, I signed up, they paid me very well. And the game that they have in mind you know, if it's half as good as what they've told me and half as good as it looks, it, it looks and feels like the original Retrofest. And then they they bought the rights to the company that made the first <laughs> WrestleFest, uh, which is amazing. So it went from the spiritual successor to the actual successor. It, it's kind of incredible. And so we're really looking forward to it. Uh, that should be coming out later this year. Uh, and by later, I mean within the next couple of months. I don't know who the ring announcer is. I know Colt and I will be on commentary. I know that uh, stars from Ring of Honor, from the NWA, from uh, from New Japan, like Zack Sabre Jr. And uh, even even a WWE guy, Johnny Retro, <laughs> John Morrison is in the game too. <laughs> so it, it's going to be kind of historic in that it's going to be a game that when it's released, uh, it's going to have legends like the Road Warriors. It's going to have Tommy Dreamer from House of Hardcore, Austin Idol, a big you know Memphis legend. 
it's going to be kind of incredible. I was extremely flattered. And that, to your point, that was something Bobby asked me about. How do I get in this game? <laughs> but, <laughs> hey, I'm wondering the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, they're, they're great. It's a great team. I know that, you know, I think 12 wrestlers have been announced and they have more to come. Uh, there's going to be some downloadable content as well. So beyond the 12, uh, there should be a couple more being announced soon and then uh, some DLC. So that'll be really cool. And and my wife is actually the one that's that's blown away the most by this uh, because she's seen me. You know, she's known me for 14 years now. The first Christmas gift she ever bought me was a SmackDown versus Raw game. I kind of confided in her and my wrestling obsession uh, which, you know, when you're in college and, you know, wrestling in 06 wasn't, you know, mainstream. It wasn't kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of on the, on the way back down. So, you know, I, I you know, one day I, I kind of quietly revealed that I had, you know, 20,000 hours of bootleg wrestling footage <laughs> in the massive <laughs> Luke Seljan collection. And that, you know, I've seen uh, to that point, I had seen every Monday Night Raw and every ROH event. And so, uh, you know, once that confession came out, that's when the relationship went to a whole new level. So, you know, it's really neat, though, to see her, you know, see her reaction to this kind of stuff. And, and like my mother-in-law and my mom, uh, just to see them kind of react to this as well. Now, how much work did you put into doing the commentary for that? Like, what is like, was it multiple days, multiple sessions? Well, the cool thing is I was actually able to do it from home. Oh, really? Yeah. So what's really neat is that when I started with Ring of Honor as the as the lead commentator, they have what they call wild liners. And so when we used to film TV, there would be obviously we would we would film matches and then have to edit them for time or insert commercial breaks or things like that. And so I didn't have great equipment when I first started with with ROH and they noticed that. And when it aired on TV, it, it sounded different. So Ring of Honor went out of their way. They bought me the exact headset that I use on commentary, and they bought me a little mixer. And what I did was um, I just patched it through the mixer right onto an SD card, and I'd upload the wild liners, and they'd throw them right on TV. <laughs> so I just uh, I got all the lines, and uh, I gave them a whole bunch of takes with different inflections. You know, it took hours. Um, I think there's probably about 400 lines or, or 300 lines somewhere in that range. But I think fans, I think fans will be pretty satisfied because I called a lot of stuff and there's still some surprises yet to come based on some of the lines I recorded. So I'm excited about those, but yeah, it it was a sizable time investment. And um, I'll I'll tell you what, you should really support this game. If for nothing that I know firsthand that they, they paid the talent. Well, when I agreed to do the work, they, they sent me a check that day I got it the next day. It was overnighted. And then when I completed the work, I got the second half. Uh, so this is a very reputable company. And uh, if they are that on the ball, I, I got to anticipate the game's going to play pretty well, too. Hey, Ian, Michael support the game if you give him a free copy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to you know, part of the agreement that I worked out with uh, Retromania and, and that is, uh, you know, hopefully some some downloadable codes, some giveaways and fun stuff like that. So maybe there might be a Twitter contest we'll see or Instagram or something like that when they when the game is released. All right. I'll have to get in on that. Um, so Brian, the time you started with ROH, was that around the time that Ian became like the lead announcer? I think it was because I want to say like the the night I in Pittsburgh where I filmed the first round of the top prospect tournament was like right when like Kevin had left. So I th- I think it 
<laughs> weirdly, our your your time as lead announcer, my time with Ring of Honor might have might have started pretty closely together. Started on the same day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, Pittsburgh was my uh, official debut, and I'd done Future of Honor to that point, and I'd done Women of Honor. Kevin had some some obligations with a company he was working with, uh, not New Japan, but in 2016 he was unable to make a couple shots right in January. So I got a ton of experience there. I called three full events in January, including AJ Styles send off, which is pretty neat. And then in uh, April I did another one, and, and it just kept mounting. I got a pay per view uh, in 2016, and it was weird because. Every goal I had set for myself, and, and Brian, I'm sure this is the same for you, where, you know, you, you start small, you're like, oh, it'd be cool to be you know, on the YouTube page. Oh, okay. And then once you do that, it's kind of like, oh, it'd be cool to call a match that ends up on TV. And then when that happens, well, it'd be, it'd be cool to call, you know, maybe a, a house show, you know, full house show DVD. And then, oh, it'd be cool to call a pay-per-view match. And then a, a TV episode, then a full pay-per-view, then final battle. Pretty soon, you know, you continue to, to chase the high, so to speak, and you're in Madison Square Garden <laughs> in front of <laughs> 20,000 people, and, and you're wondering how you got there. Yeah, it's amazing kind of how quickly that, that escalated. But yeah, we started on the exact same day uh, full-time. That's funny. So, so so someday when I'm Ring of Honor World Champion, Ian, that'll be a very fun thing for you to talk about on commentary. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> make note of that mike mike doesn't believe in me he doesn't even watch watch the product and support me so oh come on <laughs> well I, I definitely want to talk about msg but i i do want to talk about kevin also kevin kelly i know you were doing shows with him and for whatever call i mean on the outside anyway it seemed like pretty abrupt that kevin kelly left the company and kind of by you know de facto you became the lead announcer was that like a, a tough period were you like nervous to be kind of thrust in that position or did you feel ready i i knew i had to be ready uh there was a moment yeah it was kind of unexpected i was sitting this is a true story i was sitting on a toilet in chicago <laughs> illinois a true true story swear on my family i had gotten a call from uh, a, a guy known as delirious i've never he never called me to that point ever i was the you know the second banana announcer you know i mostly communicated through kevin if not kevin uh is someone else you know jeff jones or, or someone before that i'm talking to him and uh he goes hey are you in a good spot i, I need to talk to you and i said yeah because i like i knew <laughs> like I, I knew this was important it was either hey don't come around anymore or hey something's up and kevin had said something weird the week before at a ring of honor tryout camp he had said it was either a week or two before that and uh he had said you know, the man that's going to be the voice of Ring of Honor from now on, Ian Riccoboni. And I'm thinking, eh, like, haha, like, all right, whatever. You know, sure enough, the uh, executive producer proceeds to tell me that Kevin and Ring of Honor have parted ways. If you can make this work, we know you have a day job. We know you like your day job. But if you can make this work, you are the television and pay-per-view announcer for Ring of Honor. That was, uh, that was all I needed to hear. And there were some expectations, right? You know, I knew that I wasn't as good as Kevin at that point. You know, I knew I wasn't as good as I wanted to be, but I also knew that to be an announcer for 
then the you know the number two company in America and an announcer at all on television. There's probably realistically at that point there was probably five spots. There was Raw, SmackDown, Impact, Ring of Honor, and New Japan that was airing on Access, and that was it. So it was you know Michael Cole, it was uh, Tom Phillips maybe at that point, uh, Mauro Ranallo, and Josh Matthews, and there's one other spot. And uh, it happened to be the company that I really enjoyed, you know, working for. And I was getting paid okay, you know, doing, you know, the Future of Honor stuff, the Women of Honor stuff, some of the social media content. I knew the relationship was there. And my plan from the get-go was I'm going to do the backup thing for, you know, five years. And one of two things is going to happen. If Kevin leaves and I don't get the opportunity first, you know, then I know it wasn't meant to be. Or if five years happens and Kevin's still here, maybe I'll call a friend I have in, in WWE, or maybe I'll call somebody else or I'll just, I'll just stop, you know, cause I knew we wanted to have kids. Uh, my wife and I, we just had our first son or our son, Zach. And so I kind of had a five year out and we were heading into year four at that point. And so I, I knew the relationship was good with, with ring of honor and I, and it was somewhere that I wanted to be and heading into the first pay-per-view I didn't know what the story was. I was told Kevin was done and Kevin had told me he was done. And it was a little surprising when I walked into Vegas and I saw Colt and our executive producer said, yep, you'll be calling this with Colt and with Kevin Kelly. And I thought, huh, I thought he was done. And so we walked in, we're sitting down, we're going through a sound check. You know, Kevin's helping me out with some things, you know, have a, have an intro, have an outline, have a go home. And they put Kevin in the middle. He goes, no, no, no. Do this. Ian's going to go in the middle. And, uh, well, the graphic says you're in the middle. And, and Kevin said, no, no. If this is what the plan is, Ian goes in the middle. Ian's going to take us. He's going to be the first voice you hear. He's going to be the last voice you hear. And he's going to be directing traffic. And that combined with Colt right before we went on the air, rubbing my shoulders and patting my head, tussling my hair right as we we came up on air were the two things that, that let me know that I could do this. And had those two things happened, uh, I don't know that I would have had the confidence to step up and step out of my shell that night. Because even though I'd done the TV in, in Pittsburgh, I'd done two events in Texas the week before uh, the TV in Pittsburgh when Kevin's status was still kind of up in the air. There was just some confidence that wasn't quite there until that vote of confidence happened. So Kevin and I did did one TV taping together after that. And then Colt and I did a, a TV together in Baltimore. And then Colt, Kevin and I did a TV in Philly. And that was about it, you know, for, for Kevin and I. And then from there, it was, it was Colt and I. And then Colt Caprice and I, and now Caprice and I. Yeah, the the multiple. I mean, you've had Colt and Caprice. I think BJ Whitmer's been in there a little bit as well. He was, you know, back in the day. Did it take some adjusting the fact that you didn't have? I mean, Caprice and stuff like that. Did that take any time to make those adjustments with different people with you? No, you know, and I think the big thing for me was, you know, I had to put my big boy pants on with Caprice, and I I mean that in that. I had to realize that he was feeling the same way I did in some form. You know, he's a great talker. He's a he traveled all over the world, but deep down in, in some way he had, was having probably some of the same nerves that I did. And, you know, sometimes as a newer guy or a younger guy, 
being around a guy like Caprice that's been around 20 years, a guy like Colt that's been around 20 years and has the, the big podcast, he's wrestled everywhere. You know, sometimes your instinct is, well, you know, they know what they're doing. They're fine. But as I got ready to prepare with Caprice for the first time, you know, I realized that, hey, this is brand new for Caprice. And being a great talker is a, a transferable skill. But, you know, I should tell him that it's going to be okay. I'm going to, I should tell him that he's going to be great because he, I knew he would. You know, those are the small things that because I had recency in the position and was able to think back and think, man, the first time I did this, what did I feel like? You know, I was able to, to try and tap into some of that to talk to Caprice, you know, from a basic production level of, hey, here's what we do on an intro. Here's the cuts to expect on a pay-per-view. You know, if I don't pick up the replay, you you grab it. Um, basic stuff like that. So, you know, for Caprice and I, I was I wasn't nervous. Uh, and Caprice and I have a different chemistry than Colt and I did. I think Colt is really good at building up wrestlers and the credentials. I think Caprice is really good at explaining why wrestlers are doing things as a three man team. We were, we were awesome, but it's fun. You know, now that, you know, Colt's taking a little break from wrestling in the big time and uh, commentating in the big time. And so, you know, as it's just Caprice and I for now or for forever, um, I'm really excited where, where Caprice has been and, it took one of those weird aha moments to, to say, Hey, why don't, you know, why don't I go over to Caprice and, you know, explain some of the production things and explain that it's okay to be nervous, um, but also remind him that he wouldn't be in ring of honor for the last 10 years. If, if he wasn't a great athlete, if he wasn't a great talker, if he didn't have a great perspective. Now you talked about preparation, what goes into preparing to, uh, you know, do announcing for a night? Does it start once you get to the arena or do you start even before that? Oh, I, I'm a, uh, I'm a habitual preparer. Yeah. As soon as a match is announced, I, you know, I'm a fan too. And that, that helps, you know, being a fan of the product, being a fan of the, the wrestlers you bring in, I get excited anytime there's a guy who is new to me, whether it's new completely or, you know, oh my God, I've seen the guy's viral video. You know, I can't wait to call this guy's match. So Alex Zane, for instance, right? Alex Zane was a guy we just had in, in Concord, North Carolina, and when New Japan booked him for America, I thought, wow, that's awesome. I wish Ring of Honor would book him. And sure enough, two days later, you know, there's the announcement. We've, we've booked Alex Zane. Alex Zane's a, a high flyer, one of the, the best in the world right now. He competed in Concord with a toenail ripped off from the previous night. Um, but he still he knew that it was a big enough opportunity that, you know, he wanted to fight through it. You know, for me, I knew the viral video. I knew... Uh, a little bit about his background. I knew, I know about GCW. So I was thrilled. So the minute that match was announced, you know, I started writing notes on him. I keep a, a notebook of the the wrestlers I call. And then from there, um, I'll go back and refer to it. Usually the, my final preparation comes Wednesday or Thursday before when I have an idea of the match order. And once I have that, I'll type up some notes into my, my match run, uh, my match run sheet. And um, I'll go from there. So usually it's, you know, whenever the matches are announced, I'll do some research. And then from there, um, I put a bow on it. I do the detail work, as I call it. I, I, you know, I like to say, you know, Shane Taylor, for instance, was the 18th individual to win the TV title. So I like to have that kind of detail work in my notes for, uh, you know, maybe the, the Wednesday or Thursday or whenever I get the order of uh, the matches. 
Mike, it sounds a lot like the way I prepare for our podcast, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Sit down, hit record. That's that's your preparation. <laughs> Call it in the ring, brother. Call it in the ring. Walking in, walking and talking. You know, sometimes you, you know, sometimes injuries or yeah, the match that was just voted the the holy s moment of the year or the decade, excuse me. Sometimes you got to do that, right? The Hardys showing up on a night that you faced Josh Woods in, in the uh, Hammerstein Ballroom. Mike Crockett was in the house. <laughs> I was there, yes. I drove down with uh, Todd and with uh, Brian Malonis, yeah, to the show. That was amazing. It was incredible. The Hardys out of nowhere. When I say, again, legitimately, just like when I was on the toilet and I got the great news, I'd be the voice of Ring of Honor. Um, <laughs> when I say that I had no idea the Hardys were going to be there, that is the God's honest truth. As the lights rose, uh, I got a production cue in my headset. Please only call them by their first and last name. But prior to that moment, I had no idea. And so uh, at the time, there was some litigation between some of the characters they were portraying. Uh, mm. But you can't stop someone from using their real name. At least it's pretty hard to. So right. uh, they, were, they were Matt and Jeff Hardy that night. And uh, it was just incredible. So, I mean, th- there's things like that where you do have to call it in the ring or injuries. You know, I think when um, I think back to when Flip hurt himself against Tracy Williams. And I think to, you know, some of the unexpected substitutions or changes or things that we had in Vegas this time around when we had a, just a rash of injuries coming out of the Death Before Dishonor pay-per-view. You know, sometimes you aren't told until, you know, 20 minutes before you have to go out to your seat that, hey, you know what, so-and-so is not clear or, hey, so-and-so, you know, is nursing an injury. They can't move the way they want their wrist to hurt themselves. We're making this match this match instead. And please announce it at the top of the card. So there's stuff like that where, you know, as much as I am a preparer, there's there's times when I'm forced to call it in the ring. There's been times where we've thrown guys out in a you know, dark match situation because we've had technical difficulties. You know, there was a match in, again, the Hammerstein Ballroom, I think it was 2018, uh, where we had, uh, I think it was Alpha Jr. versus J-Rock. Oh, yes. <laughs> we had technical difficulties with the cameras and we wanted the fans to see something. So we, we threw those two guys out there and I had not prepared for it, but they said, you're calling it. And uh, there it was. So, if I remember correctly, he uh, Alpha uh, wrestled in his in his jeans. I think so. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, the things like that happen too. So you got to be ready for anything. But I am a I am a uh, preparer of the highest degree. <laughs> now, what kind of preparation goes into Ring of Honor's debut at Madison Square Garden for G One Supercar last year? Oh God, uh, a lot of throwing up. Uh, <laughs> <a lot> of- <laughs> so I don't think I've told this story publicly i know i told mike johnson just because he'd asked me you know how it went he's a uh, pw insider and i said you know what i was really sick uh the morning of and i was i'd gone out the night before and saw network with brian cranston on broadway thanks to carrie silken uh who i have some really fun stuff to talk about with him later carrie gave me and, and ryan ginley who's uh the road manager for Ring of Honor, uh, tickets to go see it. And he said, oh, these seats are horrible. And in true carry fashion, not only was that not true, they were probably the best seats that were available because they were front row. But by Carrie's definition, because they were in the left side of the house and not dead center, the tickets weren't <laughs> great. <laughs> so, so these tickets, uh, you know, they're horrible. And we get there and the, 
you know, they walk us down to the front row. We're actually a row ahead of Becky Lynch, who was there also, which was, was crazy. Uh, <laughs> very nice to meet her. And then we talked to her a little bit, but yeah, so we went out that night. I don't really drink. Uh, I think Ginley and I had one Miller light at the, uh, after the show at a pub. Well, that's the preferred drink of the bouncers, isn't it, Brian? Uh, yes, it is. that or Yingling, but yeah. There you go. I'm a Pennsylvania guy, Yingling. <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't drink a whole lot. So, you know, one beer for me is, is fine. And, uh, you know, we were waiting around and it was getting late and uh, we didn't hear back from some of the folks we, we thought we'd hear back from. So we took a cab back. And from there, I went to bed. You know, I was in bed by like 11 o'clock and I woke up at four and I was just yakking. I was yakking. Uh, from four, woke back up at six thirty. Woke back up at nine. I think the bus left at like eleven. By eleven, I was just hoping I wasn't pale. You know, I caught some kind of bug or some sort of uh, flu. So, but for those matches, I did a lot of preparation. And one of the most nerve wracking things is actually calling New Japan matches for some of the big stars because. New Japan fans, uh, we've been grateful to be partners with them for, for quite a while. You're going to see a lot of their stars on Supercard of Honor on April the 4th. They have such a legacy, and, and storytelling is so important. And the fans that are, are diehard fans know the intricate details. It isn't just enough sometimes to watch the, you know, watch the big events. You, you have to go and you have to watch the YouTube videos. You have to go and watch uh, Chris Charlton's great stuff that he does. And now he just he put out an American podcast or an English podcast, excuse me. And then thank God for Kevin Kelly, because, you know, I was leading the broadcast. But Kevin, he's the voice of, of English New Japan. And I knew that I, I once again had my safety blanket back. And so for me, I wanted to call the moves. You know, Kevin, uh, between he and I. You know, he we agreed that for the Ring of Honor matches, I'll call the Ring of Honor signature stuff, and then he'll call the New Japan signature stuff. And for the ones that are our combination, like Jeff Cobb and Will Ospreay, the three way for the IWGP Junior Championship, um, that I would just go ahead and do the play by play. So it was nerve wracking. And at one point, we had six people in the booth, <laughs> which was I didn't even know we had that many headsets. Uh, so you know, directing traffic for six was was different. You know, we had some really fun guests. Toro Yano was in the booth during the Battle Royal that, you know, that Brian was in, face off with Liger. It was really neat. And I did, you know, that one I overprepared. Absolutely. I prepared until I was paralyzed, which is not a great look. And that's something that I would advise commentators not to do. There was a moment midway through the, the Rumble, and I'm so glad we had the, the women's matches and the Rumble. I'm so glad we had those before the event because those were the moments where I was able to shake the fact that we were in Madison square garden. And I know the wrestlers aren't that lucky because like Greg, the hammer Valentine, it takes me 10 to 15 <laughs> minutes to get warmed up. And, and thank goodness, you know, we had the six moment tag and we had the honor rumble because that was me shaking my nerves and also shaking the stunned fact that I was the first non WWE person to have a an intro in Madison Square Garden with a, a theme song and a video ever. So Jenny Rose and I made history that night. I was the first person non-WWE to have an intro in Madison Square Garden ever. And then uh, Jenny Rose was the first wrestler, non-WWE wrestler, to have an intro in Madison Square Garden. That's tremendous. That's awesome. Uh, how did you feel once the event was done? You put your headset down. What was the feeling? 
relief. Um, there <laughs> yeah. was a sense of relief because I had such a nice feeling. You worry about chemistry. Kevin and I are so similar as we probably should be because Kevin taught me a lot. Um, if Kevin didn't teach me everything I know, he taught me most of it at the very least. And, you know, I got to share something special with Kevin who had become a mentor. He'd become uh, somebody that looked out for me and, and taught me to do it with Colt and Caprice. You know, Caprice was on a few matches. Nick Aldis was on a couple matches. That was tremendous, too. You know, Colt was a guy that as much as I say Kevin took me under my wing, Colt took me under his wing just as much. And Colt and I traveled together every, almost every trip. Um, very rarely did we not. And Colt put up with all my bad habits. Like I, I'm a sleepwalker. I'm a sleep talker. I've climbed into bed with Colt on act like he's sleepwalking. <laughs> uh, there's, there are things that Colt has put up with. Um, you know, I still keep ring of honor, you know, ring of honor pays me handsomely, but I am so paranoid about money, you know, and having kids that, I'm not ready to give up my day job. So uh, Colt has put up with me doing work while he's trying to sleep and taking phone calls and zipping and unzipping my bags and waking up in Vegas at four in the morning to join a conference call. You know, Colt put up with a lot. <laughs> so to share that moment with him and to see him getting to wrestle in Madison Square Garden and to see him commentate a whole show in Madison Square Garden, that was really special for me because there's a guy who who didn't know if he'd ever get that chance. You know, he's, he's close to 40 and he's still one of the best wrestlers in the world in tip top shape, one of the best entertainers, great athlete, but a guy that was looking at his career and he was missing that piece. There was only one way to get there for a long time to wrestle in Madison square garden. And, you know, some of us might not ever get that chance. Some of us, have had the chance and feel the grass is pretty green where we're at. And so, you know, that was special for me to see him not only take the ring in Madison square garden, but also to be there commentating. And my favorite part of the show, if you go back and watch it during the intro, Colt has a blazer and no shirt on because <laughs> the shirt, as he entered the rumble, he took it off and put it down and somebody must have grabbed it at some point. And so he opens the show with a blazer and no shirt, Joel Gertner style. <laughs> well, well, well. <laughs> so speaking of Colt and Brian, I think you can back me up on this. Uh, you were talking about the holy S moment of the decade with the Hardys. I think the one that came in second place, if I'm not mistaken, for holiest moment of the decade was the elbow heard around the world at ROH Unauthorized in Columbus. Is that correct, Brian? <laughs> yeah, yes, I, I, I think so. The, the elbow heard around the world uh, was uh, preceded, or, or, or uh, not preceded, pre- yeah, preceded, I guess. Am I using that right? Jesus. I think so. <laughs> was preceded by the uh, leapfrog heard, heard around the world. <laughs> right. Now, Colt uh, put together these matches, and if you found yourself on the apron in a, uh, was it a, a 10-man tag? 10-man tag, yeah. The, the undefeated team of Colt Cabana, Ian Riccoboni, Gary Juster, Todd Sinclair, and Gator. Wow. So how did you find out about this uh, whole thing, and and was it your suggestion to go do an elbow off the top rope? It was, um, and and I'll I'll take credit for this. Um, no, uh, <laughs> Colt Colt had mentioned the possibility of getting in the ring, and uh, and he says, you know, 
he said the one time, you know, Bully was doing this, that, and the other thing, and you stood up, and and the crowd reacted a little bit, and then the the other, you know, there's another time where where Bully was doing something else, and you stood up, and the crowd really reacted. He's like, we're not going to have you fight Bully. He'd have to, he'd have to whoop you, and like we don't want to do that. Um, But I think the crowd would get a kick out of you coming in and doing a move, and then getting the hell out of there. And he goes, can you do a big splash? Can you run off the ropes and do a big splash? And I said, hell no. And he goes, well, <laughs> God, what can you do? And I go, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do a top rope elbow drop. And he said, no. And I said, Colt, you know, I, I'm not trained, but I've trained, if that makes sense, at the Monster Factory. Um, so, I, you know, I know how to bump. Um, I can run the ropes okay. My footwork's bad. Uh, but I, I was like, Colt, you know, I have literally thousands of hours from ages three to, you know, 13 of me jumping off the couch or jumping onto my mom's bed, doing the elbow drop. I'm like, just <laughs> trust me, like, let, like, put me in coach. Like I can't go forward. Like I don't have, I, I can't take front face bumps. I can't take those kind of bumps. I'll put my wrists out and I'll hurt myself. But I was like, if you trust me to get to the top rope, you will not be disappointed. And he's like, okay. And so when we got to the building, uh, there's another Bobby Cruz moment where Bobby <laughs> finds out that there's that there's this match and that Todd will be, uh, you know, Todd's looking to do a leapfrog in the match and that Gary might try and do a chop. And uh, he finds out that I'm going from the top. So Bobby gets Bobby gets jealous and proceeds to do the most athletic thing I think I've ever seen. <laughs> Which is crazy, right? Because he jumps from the stage to the ring like he's, you know, like he's Ray Oris or Dragon Lee or, you know, Bandito, one of our high flyers. And we're sitting there stunned and he goes, top that or something. So TK Orion goes, uh, hey, you want to practice? And uh, so TK rolls into the ring and TK goes, he's like, do you think you can do it? And I go, yeah. And he goes, do it from the second rope. And I go, why is that? He goes, just do it from the second. So I get the second rope on the inside. Uh, I jump up, I wind up, uh, you know, I do the macho man double clutch with the elbow, which I, I did in the match. And, uh, I get TK across the breastplate, you know, I, I know not to go for the throat and I know not to go for the stomach. Um, I swing the hips out and, uh, I get him, and, you know, obviously the room had been quiet and everybody turns around when they hear this loud crash <laughs> and there's a small crowd looking, you know, like Dalton's kind of peeking. Uh, I, I catch Gary Jester peeking. Uh, Colt's obviously looking. And so I nail it and TK pops up. He goes, yeah, you can do it. And I, I and I go, what? He goes, yeah, you were, you know, you were light. And I go, really? And he goes, yeah, don't get a big head. But he goes, you're <laughs> going to go to the top rope now. Don't jump from the top rope. And he goes, you're going to balance up there. You're just going to get your footing. And um, so TK had me stand on the top rope for a minute or two or maybe three minutes um, and just breathe. You know, he's like, you just stand there and breathe. And I said, really? And he goes, yeah. And he goes, when you feel comfortable, look down. He goes, it's going to be scary. It's going to be spooky. If you don't like what you see, jump off and then do it again. And so in, you know, in 10 minutes, TK had any fear that I might have out of my system because he showed me I could do it from the second rope. He showed me that I could balance from the top um, and he had me just look down and get comfortable. And, and uh, 
Yeah. And he goes, don't, you know, don't do it from the top now. Save your good one. He goes, you're going to get one good one. And it's going to be your first one. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, when we got to the match, Colt tags me in. I climb up to the top. Um, we had come up with the fail safe of if, uh, you know, if I chickened out, Colt would be in front of me and we were going to do like a combination where he would, you know, pull me down from the top and he would drop me in a guillotine leg drop or, or something. Um, or he would just lead me down to the second rope and I jump from the second rope. So we had a backup plan, but man, I just, I looked around for a split second. I felt it and just, just bombs away. <laughs> <laughs> so any aspirations to do anything beyond the commentary no, based on that? I am undefeated. I'm an undefeated. <laughs> that was such a fun night though. And, uh, you know, that was, that was an interesting weekend for ring of honor and everybody, you know, was eager to get to the buildings in Pittsburgh and Columbus and just, just have fun, you know? And, and I think we were able to do that. We took it into final battle and we've had a couple of great events recently in Atlanta and Concord. So, you know, that was, uh, that's super special to me. I'll never forget it. It's something I'll be able to show Zach and Nora, you know, and what's funny is my, on Instagram, one of my clients follows me from my, you know, my quote unquote day job. And, uh, they sent me the video and they said, is this really you? <laughs> and, and I had to explain <laughs> that. Yes. I did a, a big elbow drop in Columbus, Ohio. Yes. I took a five thirty-five AM flight to get back at seven fifteen. you know, to get home by eight 30 to go ahead and, and work that day. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, that, yep, that was me. And, um, I'm tired, but uh, I had some adrenaline running through me that day, as you can imagine. You kind of alluded to, uh, you know, what's been going on with ROH and the fact that you needed that night to kind of uh, blow off some steam. Of course, there's been some changes uh, coming into 2020. How are you feeling about ROH going forward? I've never been more optimistic, and I'm not just saying that. Um, the wrestlers we're bringing in right now are some of the – we've always had the best wrestling on the planet – but we are on the cutting edge of bringing in some of the top wrestlers in the world right now, guys and gals. You look at you know the the poster for the past versus present. One of the main folks on there is Nicole Savoy. Nicole Savoy is one of the top stars, uh, male or female, in the world right now. Um, you know she is the type of athlete that we should be bringing into Ring of Honor. Um, and then you see you know some of the the investments we're making in talent from Australia, like Slex, who I think is the potential to become one of the next great Ring of Honor champions. Um, obviously, the news is out. The word is out that we've retained Marty Skrull. You know, we're retaining all of our, our key athletes, guys like Josh Woods, PJ Black, uh, the Bouncers it just resigned. We as a company have a little bit of everything. And the common thread is everybody's a great wrestler. And everybody knows how to engage the crowd and the audience. And when you come to a Ring of Honor show and an event, you feel like you got your money's worth. And... 2019 in a lot of ways was was a rebuild you know I, I think at the time we resisted saying it but in hindsight we laid a really really good foundation we had a whole year for guys like mark haskins and tracy williams and and flip gordon and bandito to really show their stuff brody king broke out you know brody king's a guy i think could be a future world champion PCO, you know, his story is amazing. We were able to sign Roosh and now his brother, Dragon Lee, who are undeniably two of the best in the world. The partnership with New Japan's humming along. You know, we're, we're getting Jay White, who's blossomed in one of the biggest stars in the world. You know, we're getting uh, guys that we've never seen in, in Ring of Honor before. 
in the New Japan partnership and relationship. So that's really exciting. So every sign in the world points to being optimistic about where we're going and where we're headed. Um, There's a lot of choice for wrestling fans right now. We had a lot of fans stay with us. It it became about the name on the front of the jersey instead of the name on the back for a lot of fans who who stuck with us. And, you know, the name on the front of the jersey is going to be there long after I'm gone, long after, you know, whoever is gone. And uh, I'm really proud to represent it. I think some of the the smart decisions and smart signings of 2019, like Bandito, like Mark Haskins, like PJ Black, you know, you can list na- Angelina Love, you can list name after name. Those folks are coming back in 2020, and we have this incredible foundation for them to build on. And suddenly, you know, fans are are talking about Ring of Honor again in a, in a really positive, exciting light. We have an event, a free event coming up, Free Enterprise, on Sunday, February the 9th, where we've given away thousands of tickets to the point where even if yeah, a tenth of those fans show up, we're going to have a massive crowd. You know, we have events where the tickets are moving fast, uh, you know, faster than they did last year for places like Nashville, places like St. Louis, which we're coming back to. Uh, we announced the two big shows in, in Vegas. Those tickets will be moving fast, I guarantee it. And Supercard of Honor is doing really, really well, too. That event is over two months away. So there's tons of reasons to be optimistic. Um, It's easier than ever to watch Ring of Honor, whether it's on a Sinclair affiliate, whether it's on the the Fox Sports regional channels. We're on all 22 of them now. Uh, Friday's at midnight. Uh, We're on Nessun. We're on the Yes channel on the non-New York market, which is pretty cool. So we're on the national feed there. It's really neat to be able to, to point and say Ring of Honor uh, and and be proud of the company. And there's going to be, a, I think, some surprises for fans coming up. And that's all I'll say, because, you know, we are so appreciative of the fans that, that stuck with us in 2019 and, and stuck with, again, the name on the front of the jersey instead of the name on the back that, you know, we we want to repay those fans for their loyalty. And we want to let all the wrestling fans know that that we're open for business and the tents open. I mean, if you want to see the best wrestling on the planet, come and check us out. And I think it says another thing too, you know, you can get into our events for, in some cases, 20 bucks, 25 bucks, um, which for a night out anymore is pretty reasonable. And for the amount of action you're getting three, four hours of wrestling, uh, it's quite a fun time. So there's a lot of optimism, not only for me, but everybody I'm talking to, you know, pants is elated, Todd Sinclair, Carrie Silken. When I, when I sense there's times of trouble, those are the two guys I look to as the bellwethers. And when I sense times of excitement, those are the guys I look to, to see, you know, yeah, is this, is this really good? Should I be really excited about this? And uh, those two are genuinely excited. So I'm genuinely excited. And I think we're in for a great 2020. And I know something else you're excited about with Carrie is the fact that you have a new podcast, right? Last Stop Penn Station. Yeah. So Carrie and I have been talking about this for years. And then I moved from Glenside, Pennsylvania in 2017, back to my hometown, Allentown, Pennsylvania. And I had no idea that Carrie lived in Easton. And Easton is, you know, less than 20 minutes away from Allentown. And it's uh, about an hour away from New York City, where Carrie, uh, you know, made his home for quite some time. And Carrie always said, hey, we should do a podcast. And I said, Carrie, there's a lot of them. How's ours going to be different? You know, he started writing this memoir and this manuscript down. And I was reading it. And I was like, Carrie, this is fascinating. And he says, yeah, you know, I, I really want to tell people these stories. And I said, how can we, you know, how can we incorporate 
Ring of Honor fan base that you've cultivated. You've you've created this company, you know, or you've you've saved the company essentially. Silent partner in 03. You know, when the scandal hits, he becomes the majority owner. You know, within a couple of months, he gets him to the UK. Within a, a couple of years, he gets him to Japan. Brokers some small TV deals until he gets the HDNet deal. You know, this little wrestling company that could is suddenly on pay-per-view and on HDNet. So there's there's fascinating stuff there. But even more fascinating are the characters that you hear about. And in season one, we're going to walk through a, a place. We're going to start out with uh, Ring of Honor's first trip to Las Vegas and San Francisco. It's chosen intentionally because of some of the feelings that came out of those shows. They were sparsely attended. They were box office flops. And they had some of the greatest wrestlers of all time on the bill. We're talking about Brian Danielson, Cesaro, some of the great characters like Larry Sweeney. So Carrie's got an amazing story about that, about the convention the next day or within the next two days that was at the Cow Palace. That was one of the greatest flops of all time where wrestlers left. They weren't getting paid. Carrie was not the promoter of the convention, uh, but they brought Ring of Honor along because it was supposed to be this huge deal. And it, it turned out to be not what it was sold to carry as. So there's going to be some really fun stuff. We're going to take you to London about Ring of Honor's first trips to the UK, some of the characters there. We're going to talk about the pretzel lady. We're going to mama pretzel. We're going to talk about silent Sydney. We're going to talk about Freddie, the weeper, the camel. <laughs> Yeah, all of these great, great characters from Carrie's life, uh, some of the people that he had to deal with. Ultimately, we're going to end up at Madison Square Garden, and that's going to be the conclusion of season one. You know, Carrie's not going to pull any punches. There's going to be talk about drugs, his drug use. There's going to be talk about sex. There's going to be talk about everything that, that you can imagine that happened in New York City in the 70s, 80s, and early 90s. And there's going to be uncomfortable things, and I think it's going to be an eye-opener. Carrie literally is the most interesting man that ever lived, uh, whether or not Dos Equis likes it or not. He's a guy that's experienced it all. He lived to tell the tale, uh, and he's thankful that he lived to tell the tale. And he's really proud that he was able to come out and learn as much as he did from the things he's gone through. And some of the challenges that he will be the first to admit were self-imposed. You know, we get into, again, you know, we talked about the sex, the drugs, and the rock and roll. That's all in these. And the first one's the first episode, you know, drops. Um, that one's pretty tame. As we get into future episodes, I think Carrie and I have opened up. Uh, we have a, a number of episodes in the can right now, and we're gonna be releasing those every Friday. So, you know, the first episode is is relatively Ring of Honor heavy. We chose the topic, you know, based on the feeling that Ring of Honor always finds a way. You know, Ring of Honor always rebounds. And that was the sentiment when we were recording it. And I think it's even more strongly felt now after the first couple of shows in 2020. But, you know, Carrie just opens up about everything. And, and there's going to be listeners that that think, well, you know, this is a little weird. You know, this isn't what I expected. Um, there's going to be wrestlers that want the Conrad Thompson, who I love, you know, his style. You know, on this date, this happened. Tell me about it, Carrie. And, and Carrie and I don't do that for the most part. You know, it's it's going to be a fluid discussion each and every time about an event and a theme, and a place, and a character that goes along with it. So, you know, we're really excited to release these into the world. We've been sitting on a whole bunch of them because of our schedules. We recorded them when we could, and then when we had 10 ready to go, um, we were ready to, to pull the trigger because isn't it the worst when you, you love a podcast and then it just isn't there one week, 
and there's no expectation or, or no cue when it's going to come back. So if we were going to do this, we're going to do it right. We're going to do it with a whole bunch ready to go and then uh, jump into season season two. But uh, la- the season finale is going to be Madison Square Garden, which, of course, is the, the last stop on Penn Station. And we're going to talk about what Madison Square Garden meant to Carrie, what the building meant to his relationship with his father, his relationship with his ticket scalping, with his relationship to his identity, uh, what goes on underneath Madison Square Garden in Penn Station in the 70s, the 80s, 90s, which I'm sure was, was blind to a lot of the general public. You know, there's going to be stuff where I, I I had to ask a lawyer if we could say some of the things we do. That's not to say it's it's scandalous, but Carrie gets pretty in depth, and and we pull no punches. This is something Carrie's wanted to do for a long time. I'm really proud to partner with him, and really excited to get his stories out into the world. Yeah, we had Carrie on with us, and and uh, I mean it it was great, really well received episode. But just in general, just in the last couple years, getting to know Carrie, uh, one of the great storytellers i think i i've ever i've ever encountered i mean he when carrie tells a story like i i almost wish you guys did a did a video podcast because he gets very animated and uh, and <laughs> I mean, he put, when he's doing characters he actually gets into character i mean it's fantastic <laughs> well and that's the that's the uh that's the surprise we've been we've been videotaping a lot of these and uh there's going to be some selected clips that end up on our youtube page and things like that we have a great producer aj aj basan of basan creative out of bethlehem pennsylvania good friend of carrie's and i've become a good friend as well um, he's helping us with this project a lot he, he got us on itunes spotify stitcher Google Podcasts. So he's been instrumental in all of this. We couldn't have done it without AJ. And I'm just a guy asking questions and, and follow up. I do want to give a spoiler, though. I want to point your attention when we get to Puerto Rico, which we will. We have a three-parter on Puerto Rico. Victor Jovica. Victor Jovica, Victor Quinones. Um, I want to give a spoiler. And all I'll say is listen out for Buttman. <laughs> That's all I'll say. <laughs> The Buttman's in town. <laughs> I'll leave. I'll leave. Buttman was in town quite a bit, and I will leave that as a teaser. That is a character that Car- that even Carrie didn't realize was a character until we we found some material uh, in in one of the uh, supporting documents, and that's going to be the fun thing too. So Carrie, um, he's dug out the photo album. Uh, he's gotten a lot of his pictures that no one's ever seen before scanned. You know, this first episode, if you if you love and you like Larry Sweeney and you miss him. And I know there's a lot of people that do, or, or if you're curious to, you know, get to, get to know some of these fellas, you know, Carrie's gone out of his way to, to scan these. And we're going to have that kind of bonus content. You know, one of the episodes is on Dover, New Jersey, which if you don't know is the home of the wrestler, the movie. And that's a place we're going to be going to in the season. That's episode two. Um, Carrie's got some photos that no one's ever seen before. He's got a shocker of uh, who was the original choice to play Randy the Ram that I don't think is, has been publicly discussed. I could be wrong. Um, he's got a shocker on who was supposed to be Bobby Cruz, which Bobby Cruz makes it into the film, but it wasn't supposed to be Bobby Cruz, which I don't think a lot of people know that either. There's a lot of fun stuff. We talk about uh, a lot of stuff that if you're a Ring of Honor fan, you'll be interested in. But I think if you're a wrestling fan or if you're a fan of just humanity, right? And, and I think my goal in all of this is... I see Kerry as a man who is warm, who is generous, who is kind, who has seen the ghost of, of Christmas past and present and future, and a man who just who's one of the most gracious, humble men that, that I've ever met. 
if if you need a jacket, he'll he'll take off his and put it on you. If you need a warm plate of food, he'll invite you over and, and he'll give you whatever you need. And he's just such a kind man. And at the end of the day, for me, this is a redemption story. This is a guy that, that shouldn't have made it. There's 400 reasons why Carrie's path to where he is now, which is a man who's beloved by everybody and well-deserved, shouldn't have happened. And this is, for me, a way to help Carrie reflect on that and a way to share it. There's some do's and don'ts, some trials and tribulations. You know, the, the sex, the drugs, the rock and roll, you know, we mention it, but we're not celebrating it. You know, we want to be honest about it. And there'll be things that we laugh about, but it's because, you know, Carrie's learned from them and he can look back in the rearview mirror. And he's he shared that sentiment. I'm really excited for folks to hear, you know, not only episodes one through nine, but also the season finale, because it, that one really touched me a lot. And it took that kind of turn. So if you like episode one, we hope you stick with us through episode 10 when we get to the garden. There's a lot of a lot of humor, a lot of light, uh, lightheartedness, but some serious stuff, too. So I'm hoping it's it's what wrestling fans anticipate. If they know Carrie at all, it should be a blast for folks to relive some Ring of Honor moments and some some Carrie moments. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to hearing it. it sounds like it's going to be great and uh, a lot of surprises, I'm sure, along the way. And the one thing that's no surprise to me is that Bobby Cruz steamrolled his way into the movie The Wrestler. <laughs> oh. It'll be very surprising who was the original choice. Very surprising. So everyone right now, go to your, if you listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Subscribe to Last Stop Penn Station. You won't regret it. And the first episode, I know there's a a preview episode that's up right now. When does the first episode go live? Yeah, the first episode goes live on uh, Friday. I believe it's January 23rd. I have my dates mixed up, <laughs> but I believe it's the 23rd. Uh, it's it's that Friday that's right there. So uh, we're recording this Thursday. It's, it'll be uh, it'll be Friday tomorrow, uh, which okay, so- if you release it. On Friday, but probably today. <laughs> the show comes out on Monday, so it'll be already be up there. So yeah, you, our fans can go right now and and download it. So I would I would highly by this time I'm sure I will have already have listened to it uh, uh, on my flight this weekend. Awesome, yeah, we appreciate the support. And uh, right now we have three seasons planned, but I mean it was it was so easy for us, and I I mean easy as in fun. It was so fun that it felt easy to do the first season. Um, that we're going to start recording the second season right away. And then, you know, from there, we're just going to see where it takes us. Uh, there's so many different topics and people. You know, this first season, we haven't touched on Ric Flair, who notoriously screwed over Carrie. We haven't touched on the fact that Carrie Silken was one of the last people to see John Belushi alive, which is incredible. We haven't touched <laughs> on the fact that, you know, he used to hang out with Phil Linnett of Thin Lizzy. There are things that we haven't even touched in season one that are just that are just waiting, you know, waiting to be explored and discovered. So, you know, I, I think what's tantalizing is that ten episodes recorded, we haven't scratched the surface. It's it's that incredible. Ian Riccoboni, I really appreciate your time today. Uh, I mean, you spent like you know over an hour with us here. Really appreciate it. One more question though before you go that I've always been curious about: What happens when you feel like you have to go to the bathroom while you're commentating? I don't. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't expecting that hard in question, were you? <laughs> I'm very, I'm very active and animated. And 
I, because I'm layered in, in my suit, I sweat. I have to be careful because sweat glistens and it makes you look like you've run even the most small amount of sweat makes you look like you've run a marathon when you get the desk on camera shots. So I tend to, to kind of covertly sweat out any water that I've been drinking throughout the night. I fortunately, even though I called, I think it was close to six hours at Madison square garden from the opening of the first dark match all the way through to the main event. I've never had to leave the commentary position to use the bathroom ever. I've never had the urge, which is crazy because there's been times where I've gotten to the back and I'm like, wow, I really have to go to the bathroom. And I, I stand there and I'll go, uh, you know, it'll take longer than normal because I've been drinking water through the entire night <laughs> to keep my throat lubricated. But yeah, I've never felt a strong enough urge to leave the commentary position and, and hit the John. It must be an adrenaline thing, right? Like when, all of a sudden when you're done with it, you feel it. Oh, it's gotta be. Cause I stuff my, you know, not just number one, but I stuff my face so much because i know i'm not gonna be able to eat for six hours or five hours or however long it is so yeah it's, it's gotta be that i hope i'm not jinxing you coming up here ian right. yeah, <laughs> right now, if i leave the table on, on the 9th of february you'll know what happened <laughs> so. <laughs> well ian once again it's tremendous to talk to you and uh brian thanks for hooking this up hey no problem mike uh, I'm, I'm always willing to uh go the extra mile for this podcast you know that of course, of course. Thanks so much. And uh, Ian, it's been great talking to you. And uh, have a good night. Uh, thanks, you guys. Thanks for having me. See you in Baltimore. We want your feedback. Tweet us at the WPAN on Twitter with your take on this week's episode. Your thoughts on our discussion with head announcer of Ring of Honor, Ian Riccoboni. Use the hashtag WPAN. Or you can call the voicemail line. Call 401-584-9726. That's 401-584-WPAN. Before we go any further, let's talk about booking the territory with Mike Mills, Harbody Harper, and Doc Turner. They do two podcasts a week on Sundays and Thursdays. They're talking about all that old school Southern wrestling with booking the territory. MikeMills.Podbean.com and no update this week, Brian, when it comes to what's going on with us and booking the territory, right? Well, no, no update for you, but I mean, I'm not, I mean, I'm a, I'm a contracted Ring of Honor wrestler, right? Yeah. But I am not a contracted WPAN podcast host, so you might own the name, Mike, but you don't own me. Really? So you've uh, you've got your wrestling negotiations down you get your negotiations at your regular job so now you're getting into podcast negotiations on your own well we'll see you know maybe there's a deal to be made out there for you know uh myself and i i because i could never leave a good friend behind mike Maybe there's a place for Brian Fury too. Maybe uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know. I mean, there might be some some side text going on. Which one is going to lead the show? <laughs> I'd like to see that or hear that anyway. <laughs> well, we'll we'll see, Mike. We'll see. Couple of rudderless ships out there in the uh, rapids. The two of you in a podcast. I think it'll be delightful, Mike. But hey, if I mean, if you don't want us anymore, maybe we'll just go make the deal happen. I mean, you're not going to be able to compete with the with the BTT money. Really? You know, if you saw the the amount of zeros in the offer that Mike Mills has given us, uh, you would be pretty impressed. I've seen a couple zeros. 
<laughs> anyway, our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. That's kind of the northern equivalent of booking the territory. Joe Morata and Michael Quinn host that podcast, and they're in a brand new season. Make sure to check them out. They come out on Mondays, so right after you're done listening to this, go check out our vantage point, ovppodcast.com for more information on that great show. And greetings from Allentown with PW, Peter Winson. He is the guy that takes one single episode of wrestling television and just talks about it and talks about sports too and cats and drinking and the Bruins and all kinds of things on Greetings from Allentown. No, it really comes together in a really fun and entertaining package. Check out Greetings from Allentown. Subscribe to his show and the Rundown Wrestling Network. If you need to get caught up on all these shows of the week, if you end up missing a couple, they get you covered over there on rundownwrestling.com. All right, Brian, it is time for this week's promo, but nothing but before we get into that, you are hitting the highways, byways, and airways, crisscrossing this great nation of ours, plying your trade as a professional wrestler, and you got dates. I do, Mike, but I, I do want to talk about something that's already happened that I couldn't talk about on last week's episode. Really? And that's, uh, you know, no spoilers, but uh, the bouncer's making a foray into the NWA. What? How about that? You might you might actually see a match of mine. <laughs> now I'm excited. Right? Huh? Now How I'm about, fired how's up. How's that? Now now I'm a big deal for you. Now you you know you're getting somewhere. <laughs> so yeah, no. look looking for upcoming episodes of NWA Power, uh, where the bouncers will be featured. Very excited to step foot in the NWA. Very cool things they're doing over there. So I uh, was very excited that that all came together for us. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Now, what do you got coming up? <laughs> what I got coming up, Mike? Sunday afternoon, February the 9th. This is a big one. Ring of Honor's free enterprise. I looked today. Uh, almost all the tickets are gone. So if you're planning on going to this event... It may already be too late, but go check the Ticketmaster website. You still have to go and reserve your tickets. Um, it's not just a free-for-all, but you do have to reserve your tickets for free enterprise. Uh, and that's a way to, to say thank you to the uh, to the Ring of Honor fans, Honor Nation, if you will, for their years and years of support. And that'll be a great afternoon. Uh, that's in Baltimore, Maryland at the UMBC Center, if I didn't say that already. I don't know the streaming details yet because I don't believe those have been officially announced. But keep your eyes out on how uh, you might be able to watch Free Enterprise from uh, Ring of Honor Wrestling. So very excited to take part in that. And then, Mike, at the end of the month, on February the 28th, I'll be heading to Nashville, Tennessee, uh, Again, for Ring of Honor, I love going to Nashville. That is the the same building that uh, they filmed. Uh, I think we talked about it before. No holds barred. The match, the movie. So, oh wow. Also, I think a couple. I think a couple of Flair Steamboat title matches or something were held there too. You know that small regional promotion. <laughs> oh boy, I thought you were, I'm not I thought you were making headway, Mike. Yeah, that BTT offer might be off the table after that crack. <laughs> it's breaking down. Negotiations are breaking down. And then the very next night, uh, February the 29th, I'm heading to St. Louis, Missouri, making my Missouri debut. Very excited to head to St. Louis, a very historic wrestling city. Uh, my 26th state, Mike, now, so we're past the halfway point. This is very exciting news, uh, but I'll be taking part in Ring of Honor's Gateway to Honor Saturday night, February the 29th. Uh, these two great events can be seen live on Honor Club, uh, or if you are in the Nashville or St. Louis area, uh, rohtickets.com for ticket information. 
All right. And if you want to book the brawler coming up, email Brian Malonis at Comcast.net or DM him on the Twitter at Brian Malonis. This week's promo about nothing, Kingpin slash brawler, comes from the year 1985. That's heavy, Mike. <laughs> is this something with the Earth's gravitational pull that I don't, I don't understand? Uh, it is the World Wrestling Federation, the WWF. Anything can happen in the World Wrestling Federation. And usually does. And we're going to maybe get into some gravity talk here with me and Gene Oakland, who has joining him for this very special interview segment, the magnificent Morocco. This week's promo about nothing. From Hawaii, where he makes his home back in the United States mainland, man that has virtually done it all in professional wrestling and continues to do so, the magnificent one, Don Morocco. Before we talk anything about the great sport of professional wrestling, I am very curious. Don Morocco, did you bring your on, on or off camera? Entourage of lovely ladies with you to the I mainland? Got, I got lovely ladies that follow me. I got shapely ladies. I got big ladies. I full got figured? small ladies. Yes. Oh, full figure. I got a girlfriend, must be 335 pounds. A when very she full walk, figure. When she walks, she wiggles all over the place. And during the summer, whoo! That she smells. Oh, worse than Captain Lou Albano. You won't believe it. You have a good time. You're the kind of guy. I wanted you over in Hawaii with me, me and Gene. I wanted you there to talk to the babies. I know you're a part of my. Ah, forget about the old lady at home. She's listening anyway. We all know you have a good time. What the heck? Let's bring it all out now. Let's let everybody know you and I like to have good times. Isn't that right? Well, I think that's probably taken. Uh taking care of any domestic life that I might have had. Don Morocco, on the serious side, I couldn't help but notice, in my estimation, the rather profound influence that Mr. Fuji is and has had I on am you always serious. personally and professionally. I am always serious. When I was talking about my girls, I was serious. But have you noticed lately why Mr. Fuji has bloated himself like a gigantic sumo wrestler? Do you know why? Do you know why he's in excess of 350 pounds or reaching that level just about? Why? What is the man doing? The man is growing and growing to a new level. Not only mentally, not only physically, not only efficiently, but Mr. Fuji has grown psychically. Spiritually. Spiritually. You got away with words. You know that? And that's why I have chosen him as my personal spiritual advisor because he is a man of very diabolical qualities. When you look into his eyes, when you can look into his eyes, when they're not all squinted up and red and beaten from the road, when you can look and see what he's thinking and know what he's thinking and feel, and that's what we have between us, a feel between us, yes. You know, Mr. Fuji, of course, is, is a veteran of the ring. Here's a man that is as good in the ring as he is now. world champions. He's been an eight-time world champion. You know what he had me do? As soon as I got to New York City, I moved right to the Central Park, moved in, Right underneath the park bench, been sleeping under new tapers in the freezing cold, getting acclimated to the city weather, getting acclimated to slime, getting acclimated to scum, getting acclimated to dirt, because that's where I am. That's where I am now, dirt and slime and scum, and I am the master. All right, uh, that's a pretty good beard you got started. Is that something we're going to be seeing more of? That's from my friends. Oh, no, I don't know. I change from day to day. All right, I'll take that. The word of the magnificent one back to the World Wrestling Federation, ladies and gentlemen. Don Morocco is coming. What a beach bum. 
<laughs> Man, when I started watching wrestling, WrestleMania 4, I saw The Rock. That's how I knew Don Morocco. Don The Rock Morocco, the babyface with superstar Billy Graham by his side. No knowledge of this magnificent Morocco, and what a character. Unbelievable. This I, <laughs> These promos, I mean... Just off the wall completely. Yeah, I mean one. I mean probably drug fueled. I'm sure, but oh yeah, uh, <laughs> oh oh yeah. <laughs> but I mean, but also I mean they're just they're filming so freaking many of them that uh, you know. I mean, what you run out of material at some point, right? I mean, just like all right, I got I got to throw something against the wall here and let's hope it sticks and just make it outrageous. I mean, I get the feeling there was probably almost like a competition of trying to outdo each other. Yeah, like the the he talks about the honorage of girls and the the big girls, three hundred thirty five pounds. She smells worse than Captain Lou Albano. Like what? What is going on over there? I don't know. <laughs> there's something in the catering, I think, over there. <laughs> yeah, there's something in the gatorade over there. All right. <laughs> Holy like, Moses! Have you have you seen the new? Speaking of which, you know, you you like the. The babyface uh, version of, of Don Morocco. Have you seen the new the new uh, figure out of Don Morocco in the tie dye shirt? No, I haven't. Yes, a new new action figure, brand new. So I, I've been on the lookout for that bad boy. So uh, haven't been able to find yet. But I, of course, I remember. The, did you did you have the LJN with the the red trunks and the and the black T shirt with like the block lettering? I did, I did, <laughs> and like I don't know. I think I got him secondhand because I don't think I I bought him because you know I like I said I didn't know who really Magnificent Morocco was. I had no idea about that phase of Don Morocco. Unfortunately, Mike, the Magnificent Morocco. There he is. Yeah, <laughs> there he is indeed. Uh, I mean, think about. Don Morocco too is like the one we're seeing him. I mean, that's really the tail tail end of his uh, of his career. I mean, I, I remember the attack on Hogan with Bundy setting up WrestleMania too. But really, those last few years there, the WrestleMania years he was in, was really the tail end of his of his career. Now that figure you're talking about the the one that's coming out doesn't have the squiggly spring like vein on his shoulder. I, I don't know. I've actually only seen the picture of it uh, um, in like the t-shirt, in the tie-dye t-shirt. So it does have uh, enormous quads, though. So oh well, <laughs> that goes without saying. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I don't even know where where this promo ends up. He's talking about Fuji's got him sleeping underneath a park bench with slime and scum and whatever That's what else. New York's full of right. I suppose so. And then then that's just over. I don't understand. <laughs> well, you're also not on drugs, Mike, so. <laughs> yes, I can confirm that. Yes, not on drugs. Not like everybody. I, I think Oakland was smoking a little something, too. I mean, let's not. I don't mean to disparage a uh, person who's long, no longer with us, but, you know, he's probably getting in on it as well. <laughs> Perhaps. You know, what the old lady doesn't know won't hurt her, right? Just like my difference in Morocco said. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. That's the way you live your life, right? Oh, definitely. Well, you've heard this promo about nothing. If you want the full picture, find the link to the video in the description of this episode or at the WPAN.com. Brian, we are inching closer to episode 200 here on the Wrestling Podcast about nothing, right? We are creeping, if you will. 
creeping, creeping, creeping. And next Monday, we'll have episode 197 of the WPAN. Till then, for the absent Brian Fury, he's the brawler Brian Malonis. I'm Mike Crockett. Big ups to Mucko, and thanks for nothing. Bobby Cruz do 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 Bobby Cruz do 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 Bobby Cruz do 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 Bobby Cruz Bobby Cruz do 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 Bobby Cruz do 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 Bobby Cruz do 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 Bobby Cruz Bobby Cruz do 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 Bobby Cruz do 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 Bobby Cruz do 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 Bobby Cruz Bobby Cruz Bobby Cruz Bobby Cruz Bobby Cruz Bobby Cruz Bobby Cruz